Hi, welcome to the Mommy Trainer Podcast, episode one. I'm Mel, I'm a mum of two, and I'm a personal trainer, hence the name. Although I did manage to inadvertently upset somebody on Twitter earlier on this year when she thought the mummy trainer meant that I was training mummies how to be mummies. And that is not the case at all. I'm still figuring this out myself. And I've got a seven-year-old, who's well, she's nearly seven, and a nearly four-year-old. So I definitely wouldn't be giving anybody any pointers around that. So I did the only thing that I could do. I deleted and blocked her because I ain't got time to be getting into conversations like that. So I am 40 years old. Yes, I know I sound a lot younger. And when you see me in person, you'll think I'm 25. Oh, I wish... I've got two children, boy and a girl, both at school at the moment until I have to go and get the boy because he's only on two and a half days a week because he's not quite full. And I have those days to myself. But it's amazing how you can just fill your time with stuff, isn't it? And now I've got to squeeze podcasting in between. But you know what? I'm going to give it a good go. So my fitness journey started when I was about 13 and I joined my local karate club. And I tried jujitsu previously when I was about eight or nine, but I didn't really like it. So all I wanted to do was climb trees and play with Barbies. Nowadays, eight-year-olds generally tend to want to play on the Xbox and are glued to their iPads. Now, my children have an Xbox and they have iPads, but I do limit the amount of time that they're on them because I think it's important to find that balance. I know that they have to use technology at school. But it's also very important that they are able to go outside and enjoy nature and for them to know where their food comes from. AKA, where does chicken come from? The supermarket. Uh, no. And that is a genuine statement that has been made by somebody at their school. But I'm not going to name and shame because that's not what this podcast is about. So anyway, joined the karate club when I was 13 when I decide that I like something and I really liked karate, I'm like, right, I'm on this. I need to be really good at it. So worked hard, managed to get my black belt in a short space of time and was the youngest female black belt in the area. It was in the local newspaper, big cheesy smile. Still hate that photo to this day. But my mum has it along with many other things in a scrapbook box whatever you want to call those boxes that you store all the memorabilia that you're going to embarrass your children with when they get older. Yep, my mother's got a big one of those. So I did karate for years. And then when I started college, I started to lose interest because obviously when you're younger and you're training three times a week, you don't mind. But then when your mates are off to the cinema and under 18s discos, you're training for yet another competition, you start to think, This doesn't feel very fair to me. So anyway, when I was at college, I got to my second year and I was like, oh, this really isn't for me. So I decided, foolishly, maybe, that I was going to leave. Now, my best friend had secured a job in France as an au pair. All sounds very glamorous. And she was like, come, come, come. So I was like, you know what, shall I? Yes, I'll go. So I applied to the same agency. And we were like, this is going to be amazing. We're going to get to hang out in another country. It'll be really cool. Both got placed at opposite ends of the country. Didn't see each other once the whole time we were out there. Not going to go into detail about what it's like to be an au pair. Because quite frankly, my experience wasn't that great. But that's I'll save that for another story. So I came back to England. Got a job. 
entered the world of adulthood, if you can even call that. I mean, I'm 40 now and I still don't think or feel like an adult. I just have to behave like one sometimes. So when I came back, I tried to go back to karate, but I wasn't really feeling it. And with dance and fitness, uh, especially an art form like karate, you either have to be focused about it or you're not. And I wasn't. So I was working full time, going out clubbing, doing what you're doing, discovering all these exciting things you can do once you pass the age of 18. And then I discovered salsa. I went to a salsa class with my sister and some of our cousins and I thought it was amazing. We were like, yeah, this is going to be great. We'll come every week. Following week, it was me and my sister. Week after that, it was just me. So I was like, okay, I don't care. I'm still going to go. This is back in the day where I did not drive. I walked and got the bus everywhere. I wish I did that now. I'd probably be a lot fitter than I am, even though I am a personal trainer. But I don't do public transport now. Mm-mm. Not unless I absolutely have to. So... Got really good at salsa because, like I said previously, if I find something that I really love, I want to be good at it. And I really wanted to be good at this. And boy, did I love salsa. I still do now. I just don't do it as often. So I was dancing for about 10 months, started off once a week, twice a week. And then before you know it, I was going out nearly every night of the week. And then I was traveling with some of the salsa teachers to events that they were going to. Because you could go to these weekend events at like Butlins and uh, what's the other one called? Pontian. So, you know, places that you might not necessarily go. I'm going back in the day, like the early noughties. You wouldn't go to these places because it'd be freezing cold. But so if there was salsa, we were there. If it, it was in a barn in the middle of nowhere and it was freezing cold, didn't matter as long as there was salsa and we could dance. So continued down that vein for ages, did loads of things, became a performer, a DJ, a choreographer, and then an events promoter. And I met my husband and he got involved in salsa as well because he used to be a house DJ. And then I got him into the salsa scene and he started DJing. So we used to travel everywhere together. I'd teach, he'd DJ. Amazing. Went everywhere used to go to new york a couple of times a year all over europe loved it so i was teaching salsa and i was also teaching reggaeton uh which is like a a spanish type of hip-hop or a latin form of hip-hop it's very funky lots of hip and butt action and a couple of my students said to me oh you need to check out this thing called zumba i'm like what is that zumba i've never heard of this before in my life so i went on youtube saw a video i was like oh this looks all right booked onto a course in the middle of nowhere, because this was at a stage where nobody knew what Zumba was. So I had to travel up to Leeds to where one of my best mates lives. Hi, Nikki. And stayed at hers. And then my husband had to drive me to Shipley. I still don't even know where that is now. And I did my course in a big studio with about 50 other people. And we were all probably the first in our areas to teach Zumba because it was very... Um, low key not many people knew what it was even though it'd been going a lot longer than 2009 that was when I qualified not many people in the UK knew about it so I started classes classes weren't that great to begin with because nobody knew what I was teaching and then over the Christmas period Zumba got the rack together got on some mainstream telly and then before you knew it bam I had to employ instructors because I was really busy so I set up a team of instructors and then lo and behold, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. So I had to employ three instructors in total to continue with the classes while I was off being all pregnant and stuff. Although I did teach up until I was eight and a half months pregnant. And then I had my daughter and I also had a full-time day job in addition to all of this. I worked in human resources. Can you believe it? 
And I decided once I had my little bambino because she was just adorable and, and lovely as babies are. And they're just so cute. They don't really do much. She's nearly seven now. She draws me crazy. And my husband says she's a mini me. So it's my own fault. She's like that. And my mother did say karma. Karma. When you have a little girl, she's going to be just like you. Karma. So hey ho. So yeah. I decided I didn't want to go back to work. So I handed my notice in and decided to turn my hobby and my passion into a job. And that was in 2010. So 2017 now. So I've been doing this stuff full time for seven years. And it's not been easy. It has its ups and downs. The fitness industry is extremely volatile. And you never know what you're doing from one week to the next. You can have a plan. And then all of a sudden the weather kicks in or people get sick or it's half term. And before you know it, you're not earning anywhere near as money, as much money as you were previously. But you know what? I love the flexibility that it brings with it. I'm able to take my children to school. If anything happens to my kids, I'm able to rush up the school. Um, if there are craft days or they want parents to come in and help, I'm able to do all that jazz and I love it. So the pros definitely outweigh the cons. So I became a personal trainer. When did I become a personal trainer? A few years ago. Prior to that, when I decided I was going to do fitness full time, I was like, right, okay, I need to get more qualifications. So I went and I did my level two fitness qualifications. That was my exercise to music. And then I did various qualifications after that, um, children's, pre and postnatal. And then I decided it'd be a really good idea to become a personal trainer. And I was scared. I was really scared because everybody was just always banging on about how hard it was. And so I had this, this um, fear built in or I don't know what you would call it it was just in my brain that it was going to be really hard and there was no way I was going to be able to do it long story short I did do it so I passed and I was so proud of myself because I did find it extremely difficult and I was scared but I went to Saturday classes and I had an amazing tutor and he gave me a lot of support so then I was like right I've got my pre and postnatal qualification sorry to put my pencil in my mouth then made me sound all blurry I've got my pre and postnatal qualification. Why don't I combine the two and train mummies? Not like how the lady thought I was training mummies on Twitter, but work with ladies that are pregnant and also ladies wanting to get back into fitness. I was like, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be brilliant. So I set up the mummy trainer. So originally the mummy trainer was going to be me training mummies to get back into fitness. But all my PT clients weren't mummies I had men and women and when I say they weren't mummies I meant they didn't have little babies they had like grown children or I had some clients that didn't have any children or I had men and it was good because obviously I was training all these people but the whole mummy trainer thing wasn't working so I thought what am I going to do with this now because I still really love the name paid for a logo and everything I had a website I thought right I'm going to blog now I'd blogged previously under the name the health carpenter Prior to the health carpenter, I'd attempted to plug and it, I just felt like it was too much like hard work. But I realised now, back then, I was just making it hard work because I was writing an essay. I could have written a novel and didn't realise that you didn't actually have to write so much when you were doing a blog. So I made it difficult for myself. But I've always liked to make people laugh. I always like to entertain and I don't mind laughing at myself either to get a laugh. I was small at school and, you know, to get noticed, you had to make noise and I was a mouthy little so-and-so and I tried to make people laugh. And then as you're getting older and you meet boys and stuff, my best friend is tall, long legs and blonde hair and she's beautiful. 
and she's a beautiful person inside and out as well. I'm blessed to have her as a best friend. I've actually got three best friends, but I'm not talking about that today. Um, so I used to have to make myself noticed in get noticed in other ways when I was a teenager. So um, I became a comic. That's what I did. I made people laugh, and you know I did pretty well. But we're not talking about that now, especially if my husband starts to listen. So I always enjoyed making people laugh and when I used to teach salsa used to make people laugh and then when I teach fitness lo and behold I make people laugh I make fitness fun and then I make people want to come back so that's why my classes are successful okay that's why I'm able to do what I do so I thought right I'm gonna blog so I'd blogged under the health carpenter that blog is still live now if you want to go and check it out it's the healthcarpenter.co.uk but we're talking about the mummy trainer so the mommy trainer did start out as a website where I was advertising my services to ladies who were either pregnant and wanted to stay fit or had just had a baby and wanted um, guidance and they wanted to train. But as you know, that didn't really go the way that I planned. So I started to write articles about fitness and health and my kids and just things that interested really, interested me really and also my love of stationery, which I'm going to talk about that in a bit. So I started to write these articles for my blog and started to get a lot of people take notice. And then I started to get commissioned to write articles. So in amongst my humorous articles, I also write things like fitness implications for pregnant ladies, fitness implications for uh clients under the age of 16 so those kinds of articles were very much for instructors so they could take some guidance i wrote articles for gestational diabetes where i have designed workouts for people to do they could access that information online i used to have my own newspaper column had that for two years and then i stopped so i have a lot of writing experience i've written for magazines and stuff blah 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 I say blah, blah, blah. This episode is all about me. So I'd done all of that and I really enjoyed the control that I had over the mummy trainer because the health carpenter was very much review based and I still do reviews, but the mummy trainer is my baby and I can write about anything that I want and people like what I do. With regards to personal training, I have one client now and that is my 77 year old mother. I take her to the gym every Tuesday. She does a 45-minute weight training session and then she goes home and she feels really good about herself. And I am so proud of her for that. She is smashing it. She really is. So it just goes to show that anybody can do fitness. Anybody. So that brings me up to where I am now with my fitness journey. Before I pop off, I'm just going to explain a little bit about my stationary addiction. Now, you have people that like stationary. You have people that need stationery and then you have people who are totally overwhelmingly in love with stationery and that is me. Now, I'm saying that about myself. Yes, I am a self-confessed stationery addict, but if you ask any of my friends, they will tell you what would be the best thing to get mail and they would say to you, a notebook and a packet of post-it notes because I love them, especially the post-it notes that you can get in the different shapes. And to be honest, sometimes you have to get the other brands to post-it notes because post-it notes, you ain't quite cutting it with all these shapes. I know you've got hearts and stuff, but you know, you need to be doing more like flowers and fishes and all that kind of jazz that I can only get from home bargains, yeah? And when we're talking about notebooks, oh, I'm a bit fussy, has to have a really good cover 
has to be a really nice cover. If it's got a decent quote on it and it's a good cover, I'll be looking at it, but I'll be checking inside for the quality of the paper. Paper quality has to be important. So I love watching YouTube. I love it when somebody has a stationary haul, but there are some people out there that when they're telling me that these notebooks are nice, they're nuts because all they've done is look at the cover. They haven't opened the book and felt the quality of the paper. Too thin. Not the right colour. Lines, not the right colour. Paper, grainy. Don't be giving me a notebook like that. If you ever want me to have a notebook, if you want to buy me a notebook, don't want to sound ungrateful, yeah? I'm not going to have one of those. And you don't have to buy me an expensive notebook. You can go to the works. One of my friends is the manager at the works in Merry Hill. Might as well start talking about location. I'm from Birmingham, if you hadn't already noticed by the accents. They do amazing, amazing notebooks. I do go to Paper Chase, but do you know when I go to Paper Chase? When there's a sale on because it's too expensive. Where else? Flying Tiger, pretty good. In Selfridges in Birmingham, you can get fairly decent deals from there. My friend Joan bought me a few notebooks from, is it Home Bargains? Joan, you have to tell me, it's either Home Bargains or B&M. Okay, Home Bargains and B&M, not bad quality. These ones that she's bought me, very, very nice. One of my favourite places to buy stationery from is from a company online called Dot Creates. I love their stationery. I absolutely love it. I will do a dedicated stationery podcast at some point, but I just have to share an experience with you. Dot Creates, I've been buying stuff from them for about a year. I buy prints, I've bought um, blogging planners, I've bought pens, I've bought pencils, and I decided to invest in a planner. You see all these people that are out there and they've got these really expensive planners and stuff. I don't really like spending any more than about £8 on a notebook and that's from Paper Chase and that's when it's in the sale, okay? I spent over £20 on this planner, right? Now, I was so excited about it and I'll tell you, this planner's worth every penny. It is beautiful. So I thought, right, I'm going to write in this planner. So I sorted out some fine tip pens. I had a nice, beautiful pencil case that my husband bought me when we were in New York a couple of years ago put my book and pencil case downstairs and I was like right I'm gonna set some time apart and I'm gonna go right in this plan I'm gonna make some goals ha yesterday my three-year-old son decides to take my beautiful planner and my pencil case and you know what's coming next right and my fine tip liners and write in my planner he wrote in my planner I wanted to cry I screamed I shouted I took the planner and the pencil case and I went upstairs into my office and I almost sobbed, but I didn't quite. So I opened the front of the book and I was like, right, I can repair that. Covered it with a motivational postcard, stuck some washi tape on there. I've never used washi tape in a planner before, ever. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you see all these bullet journal people. I have the greatest admiration for you. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I have been sent a bullet journal from a company that I do reviews for. So I'm going to have a go. But I digress. My planner. Right, I've rescued the first page. Great, that's fine. Oh, wouldn't it have been terrible, as I'm turning the pages, if he'd have written inside the... He's written inside the planner. Oh, he'd taken a bright neon orange fine tip pen and he had scribbled over four pages and he had taken one of my special planner stickers and he had stuck it randomly upside down on top of one of these pages. Oh, my goodness. I did not discover this until I got back from teaching my class last night. So I thought I'd rescued my journal when in fact I hadn't. But I got a pen and I wrote over the top of the scribbles 
where you can still see the lines for your goals and everything else and your tips. And what my son actually did was he forced me to write in this book because as a true stationary addict, as a stationary lover, I don't like writing in the beautiful journals or the beautiful planners or the beautiful notebooks. I just like looking at them and I like flicking through them. And if I am going to write in them, I need to have the right pen. I need to have the right timing. So there needs to be no kids about or anything else. I'm thinking that I'm, my addiction's coming out now. You're understanding my addiction. So I kind of have to say thank you to my son because I did write in the planner. But I am still upset that he wrote in the planner before I did. But I'm going to get over it because it's an 18-month planner. And before you know it, I'll have forgotten about the first few pages anyway. And I won't ever have to look back at them. And I might have to stick them together. So don't need to look at them ever again. So that brings me to the end of my first episode of my podcast, The Mummy Trainer. And this episode was called All About Me. And indeed it was. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it entertaining. And until next time, Mummy Trainer out.